The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout heresy, and entertain. You can start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day, except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth. You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive. So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe. And your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a wrecking Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. And welcome to the Crusade Channels, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers, Philosophia Perennis class covering St. Thomas Aquinas de Amine, lecture series of 31 lectures. We are in lecture number seven tonight, having completed six. And if you were listening to this on the pre preview stream, then uh, you can uh, blouse on over to mikechurch.com to my website. And uh, once you are there, then you can uh, uh, log in. Uh, you find the Domine page, and then you go to the, the, the main Domine page. And then from the main Domine page, you can then uh, log into the chat room using a uh, guest username, your Twitter account, or your Facebook. We're now joined by our instructor, Brother Andre Marie, who is live with us tonight at the St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire. Brother, brother, you sound a little better and a little more healthy tonight. Okay, well, thanks, Mike. My throat's way better. It doesn't feel like it's about to fall out now. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad to hear that your throat is not going to fall out. Falling out throats <laughs> in the middle of Domine are not good. Um I was uh, remarking earlier today to the audience on uh, my radio show that the lecture number seven is kind of a prelude to uh, lecture number eight, and that lecture number eight, uh, which we won't cover tonight, is uh, fantastic, but lecture number seven uh, does not disappoint either, and now we see what Brother Francis has kind of been uh, setting us up 
uh, almost uh, kind of like laying, uh, you have to do the R-S-T-L in an ear. How do you say it in college? You have to do your prerequisites first. That's right. And, That's right. Yeah, and, and, he, and uh, I think what, that we're finished with the prerequisite feed. And so already now to really dive in, and in lecture number seven, we start to get, oh, so that's where we're going with this. And uh, with that, I'll turn it over to you. All right. So um, I, I wanna, I'd like to set up a couple of things um, so that we understand where it is we're, we're, we're heading. Tonight, Brother Francis talks about uh, the, his main, the main subject of the De Homine part was all about uh, the, the, the moral virtues. He didn't go into each one with great specificity. He, he, it was very much an overview. But there's something that Brother Francis did not explain in this particular lecture, which we've had elsewhere. Um, we've had him, we've had him um, speak about it elsewhere that I think um, should be reviewed for those who know it already or, or perhaps said for the first time for those who haven't um, been acquainted with this. There, there's a lot that Brother talks about tonight about reason and how reason being the, the, the norm here, reason being the thing to which all of these are oriented, these virtues are oriented either directly or indirectly. That we've got to say something that's rather preliminary to establish why that is so. And the reason is because in Brother Francis's, um, rather in St. Thomas Aquinas's approach to philosophy, uh, to anthropology, he, he with Aristotle, see that, sees that of the two um, uh, highest faculties in man, the intellect and the will. The primacy is in the intellect, that the intellect has a primacy. The intellect must first engage, and then the will can engage. So, in other words, you can't, you can't love that which you don't know, which is actually a famous utterance of St. Augustine. But St. Thomas would agree with that and would and would say, because if you don't if you don't know the thing in your intellect, you can't desire it in your will because the intellect, the action of the intellect precedes the action of the will. So this is Aristotle. This is this is um, St. Thomas. Now, it has to be said or it should be said that prior to St. Thomas. Um, adopting Aristotle's view on this, in the Christian philosophical world, the general emphasis was uh, using Ar uh, Plato's outlook, where there was a primacy to the will, okay? So the will had a primacy, and then the intellect. Now, it's not so simple as just that the intellect has a primacy over the will. Uh, there are times when the will has to command the intellect. For instance, the theological virtue of faith is not something that you actually have unless the will commands the intellect to give the assent to it. So there's an interplay between the intellect and the will. But, but the, the good that the will strives for must first be known in the intellect. And that's what we mean when we say that there's a primacy to the intellect. That said... The four cardinal virtues are, um, one of them is actually an intellectual virtue, 
all of the other ones are moral virtues, strictly speaking, meaning, and when we say moral virtue, that means a virtue that, that resides in the will. It's the will that sets it in motion. It's the will that possesses that virtue. The, 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 the virtue might perfect some other power of man or might restrain some other power of man, but it's going to be residing in and strengthening principally the will. The only exception being prudence. And given what I just said about St. Thomas's view, which is the Aristotelian view, about the primacy of the intellect, that would explain why St. Thomas spends so much time on prudence and, that, and why, even though it's an, it's, in the, uh, it's, a, it's an intellectual virtue, it's reckoned among the cardinal virtues, and why among the cardinal virtues, it has a certain primacy. Because prudence is, um, it's kind of, I think I described it last week, as the traffic cop of all of the virtues. Prudence commands. And um, so that leads me to the next little distinction I've got to make. Did that make sense, Mike, what I just said about the primacy of the intellect? I, I, uh, you, you may want to just cover that uh, uh, to see if there's any question in the chat room. But, yeah, okay. it, ma it made sense to me. Yeah, I mean, if anybody, this is something we'll, we're probably going to repeat over and over again. So don't, if you miss it the first time, don't worry about it. Um, but in, if you have any questions, by all means, throw them at me. But so there's a primacy to the intellect, and the will has to, has to desire what's known in the intellect. That's the way that, or, or reject it, huh? Because there might be some evil thing known in the intellect that the will uh, chooses to reject. Um, now, when you talk about <clears throat> the intellect in St. Thomas, he distinguishes uh, essentially the intellect under two different aspects. He talks about the speculative intellect and the practical intellect. Now, we don't have two intellects. It's just one intellect considered uh, as these different functions. But depending upon the virtue, you're either using your, your, your intellect practically or using it speculatively. Okay, So what applies to the speculative intellect is something like understanding. You have the understanding of a thing or something like science, which is an ordered body of knowledge. That's something that's in the speculative intellect. But then there is the practical intellect, which is the intellect not, not as considering first principles, but it's the intellect as considering practical application. Okay, Prudence perfects the practical intellect. So it's not just speculative knowledge. But prudence, what prudence does is it uses speculative knowledge it uses our understanding of things. It uses our memory. It uses everything that the intellect has at its um, at its disposal. But it it makes practical uh, decisions, and then it actually commands. So even though it's it, prudence as a virtue resides in the intellect. It commands, and in this respect, it almost resembles something volitional, okay? But for St. Thomas, this is one practical way where we can illustrate the Thomistic doctrine of the primacy of the intellect. 
that the intellect using the virtue of prudence actually commands prudent acts to be done or in imprudent acts to be avoided and this becomes something obligatory towards us if we if we discover that something is is prudent okay. we have to um uh we have to do that thing or if it's something if our intellect tells us a certain course of action is imprudent then it's essentially commanding us not to do that thing so at that point then the other virtues will will kick in and do the course of action that's necessary so prudence regulates practical action this is why it's part of the practical intellect right it, it or that's why it resides in the practical intellect it it, it it does not concern itself with speculative understanding. It concerns itself with the understanding of concrete realities and what ought to be done or what to, ought to be avoided in specific situations. Um, so that's, that's that. Okay, so the practical versus the speculative intellect. That's an important one to understand. Okay. Now, Brother talks about how all of these, all, the, the norm, he puts this quote from um, St. Thomas Aquinas on the board, and, and uh, he put it up in Latin. Principium enim formale virtutis de qua nunc loquimur est rationis bonum. The formal principle of virtue, as now we talk about it, is the good of reason. So... <clears throat> When you read St. Thomas Aquinas, if you just jump into the Summa in the middle of it, uh, some, in the middle of some consideration on the virtues or on sin, or, uh, you, you might be surprised to see St. Thomas talking about the rightness and wrongness of actions being measured by the, the measure of reason. For instance, for St. Thomas, sin is something that's contrary to reason, Okay. A virtuous act, a good act, is something which is in conformity to reason. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what he's getting at, and if you're not familiar with the language, you might be tempted to think that St. Thomas was just some kind of a rationalist, or just some sort of a nat uh, naturalist, you know, that he was guilty of the, of the, of the naturalism, and because he doesn't seem to bring in the supernatural when he talks about it's the good of reason. But what he means here is the, the, that he's talking about the three things, you know, there, there are three things that govern us. There are three aspects that you can look at man, three goods that our nature uh, pursues. And each good concerns itself with some kind of knowledge. So there's the good of the senses, or the good of the passions, and that is based upon the knowledge that we have that's purely sense knowledge, right? So you've heard brothers now say this several times. So we, have, we operate at that first level of just sense knowledge. But then above that, we have the good of reason, which is natural to man, and the good of reason implies a knowledge that is in the intellect. So this is, this is the spiritual knowledge that man has, the spiritual faculty that he has of, of reason, of understanding with his intellect. And then over and above that, there's the bonum fidei, or the bonum gratia, the good of faith or the good of grace. 
And this is not natural to man. This is supernatural. It, this lifts us up into a higher realm, a higher sphere, where we're living and acting as children of God. And for that, we have to have the infused moral virtues, and we also have to have the infused theological virtues. But if we back up to that second level, which is just human activity. Remember, we talked last week about um, the uh, actus humanis and the actus hominis, right? Right. The act, the act of a man is just... It can be anything. It can be something that you do with just your brute nature. It can be something that you do just with your the, the fact that you're um, a material being. It could be your heart beating or something that doesn't engage your intellect and will. But the actus humanus is a human act, meaning that it engages your highest faculties, your intellect and your will. So this second stage here, this bonum rationis, the good of reason, which is connatural to man, it's not above, it's not above him, it's, it's something that's natural to him, Th- to achieve this good, we strive for it with the practice of the four cardinal virtues. But there's a wrinkle, and the wrinkle is that every one of the virtues strives as its good, the good that it strives for is the good of reason. Now, the reason is either directly present in the thing, by way of say like prudence. If it's prudent, then it's in conformity to reason. And prudence, as I said, is an intellectual, intellectual virtue. It resides in the intellect. So that makes it really clear. That, that's clear to understand. But indirectly, everything else that's done by the other cardinal virtues, which are moral virtues, strictly strictly speaking. In other words, they're in the will. It's, the, it's a will, what you might call a will virtue. Um, each one of them has as its good, as its formal principle, the good of reason. Because it's going to be, um, in the case of justice, it's going to direct the will to do something which is in conformity to reason in conformity to, to uh, what is good and just, that the intellect would know. And then in the, in the case of the, uh, the other moral virtues, the one restrains the concupiscible passions, and that's temperance. And the, the only remaining one uh, regulates us in our irascible passions, and that's fortitude. But the irascible, the irascible passions are not the intellect, right? But still, the good that's to be pursued here is the good of reason. Because there's a, there's a law of reason, there's a law on our mind, which tells us that this particular act of, say, fortitude is necessary in restraining uh, our passions, or in even exerting our passions properly, in the case of sometimes we have to have proper anger, as Brother Francis said. But it's always according to the measure of reason. So reason's either directly in the thing, in, in the case of prudence, or it's indirectly in it by way of regulating the acts of the different passions or different other faculties of man according to the measure of reason. So when I when we say that that prudence has a primacy over the other more over the moral virtues, that th- this is really for Saint Thomas something quite ontological. It's something that's just simply part of the human makeup. 
And we have to see that it's the, it's the intellect as knowing the right course of action that has to happen first before we can do the right course of action. Any questions? Yeah, brother, there was a question. Um, could you mind providing an example of an imprudent act and its prudent counterpart? And uh, I tried to put an example in there, and I may have gotten it wrong. I may have confused prudence with temperance. Well, uh, okay, well, uh, let's see. All right, uh, prudence, walking past the Victoria's Secret live model show, <laughs> head down, imprudent, walking into the same uh, thing, uh, eyes, uh, eyes wide shut. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, so so prudence. I mean, what your example is a perfect is a perfect example that that now obviously the the sin involved with lo looking at the the um, non entirely dressed people. Yes, yes, uh, is the sin of lust, which is something that's in the in the um, concupiscible appetites. But here's a perfect place where prudence has a primacy, right? Okay. So how do you how do you acquire virtue, any virtue, moral virtues, uh, 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 chastity, okay, which is rare today, um, temperance in the matter of food or drink, um, you know, any kind of other virtue, any pra virtue. Practice. Kindness, that's a virtue. Meekness, which regulates anger, that's a virtue. How do you acquire these virtues? Practice. You have to set out and have a plan, right? Right, right. Well, whose job is that? That's prudence. Prudence. Prudence, prudence is what says, okay, gee, the last time I walked into a Victoria's Secret model <laughs> show, um, I had, you know, improper thoughts. Right, right, right. Um. And my memory, you know, is is telling me that I had bad thoughts about that, and it wasn't exactly good for you know my life of virtue. So it would probably be good if you know I see one of those things. I, I like walked on the other side of town, <laughs> completely <laughs> avoid. Okay, around the back of the or, building, and and or, or to take another to take it into the realm of another vice. And it's and it's opposite virtue. Let's consider drunkenness. I mean, let's consider somebody who's got a serious weakness. I'm not. I'm not talking about. I'm not. A, I'm not a, a prude. I am not talking about um, alcohol being the devil's own brew or anything like that. Um, but what I mean is obviously immoderation, drunkenness, the sin of drunkenness. So if you have somebody who's a who's a drunk who do who can't really imbibe the stuff without being immoderate and so forth. Um, he has certain obligations, and and he ha prudence will tell him that if he can't walk by, you know, um, uh, Toby's Tavern uh, on his way back from work without going in and getting smashed, <laughs> that he should go up a couple of streets before he turns left to go in the direction of home, and even even if he has to take a circuitous route and maybe get a little bit more exercise. Um, this is, this is, a, but this is the job of prudence. Okay. St. Thomas says that to use the prudence to, to practice the virtue of prudence, we have to use our memory. 
And that's an important part of it. Wow. So you expect young people to be stupid. <laughs> you expect young people to be imprudent. But you also expect that they that because they're human and they have the capacity to, they can learn from their mistakes. And by the way, this is part of mentoring a younger person into being a grown-up. Instead of just handing them everything on a silver plate, help them to learn through their mistakes and therefore to practice the virtue of prudence. When we just do all the thinking for them and, 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 and give it to them in bite-sized morsels, that doesn't help. That is not, a, not, not when they're adolescents, anyway. That is a really uh, that's a that's a really good example, uh, folks. You are listening to the Philosophia Perennis De Omni lecture series and online and on air live classroom and chat room. We are in uh, De Omni lecture number seven from Brother Francis Malouf. Of uh, the, uh, he, he was at the Saint Augustine Institute when he when he did these lectures, but uh, he wound up at the Saint Benedict Center where Brother Andre Marie, our te our instructor for the evening, and our counselor is. If you're interested in any of the lectures that we talk about, including the Almanac or Philosophia Perennis, the course, please send me an email, King Dude K I N G D U D E at MikeChurch.com, and I will be happy to put you in touch with Brother or find Brother Andre Marie hiding. In plain sight on the World Wide Web, he is Brother underscore Andre on Twitter. He is Brother Andre Marie on the Facebook. And on the email, he is BAM, B-A-M, at Catholicism.org. And you can also find the Daomine Lecture Series for download at Catholicism.org. And if you drop Brother a line, he will give you a coupon code to give you a, a significant discount to download the series. And as a bonus, if you go to my website at MikeChurch.com, M-I-K-E-C-R-C-H-U-R-C-H.com, uh, at the top of the page you'll notice the menu options. Click Catholicism and then click Philosophia Perennis. And the only uh, items that are in Philosophia Perennis are the lecture series of Daomine. And they all go in order, and no matter which one you click, you'll have access to all the podcasts of the previous however many episodes. Uh, 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 for tonight, when we post this one tomorrow, you'll have access to the previous six episodes. And we do that as a service um, to anyone that wishes to take advantage of it because we believe that teaching man how to think, not what to think, is what is missing, uh, primarily missing from our warped, sick, crazed thinking in the modern world. And we aim to do something about it. So uh, tell your friends and family to come on by. If they missed the, pre the, the previous uh, uh, six or seven lectures, they can always catch up with Brother's uh, uh, magnificent instructions and uh, the questions that are, that are answered in or during the podcast, again, at MikeChurch.com. Brother, uh, tonight will be episode number, let's see if I get it right, 68 of Reconquest. <laughs> Correct, sixty-eight of Reconquest. And are and are you solo tonight? Do you have a guest? What's on the agenda? I, I'm solo. I'm solo tonight. It's oh solo mio tonight. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's called. It's another unexpected apologetics. It's called devotion to the saints. Ne next week, by the way, I have a guest all lined up, so that that's good. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's called the devotion to the saints, which is pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> it sounds pretty self-explanatory. And uh, we don't have to guess as to uh, what uh, devo uh, uh, saint you might have a devotion to. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, um, Saint Andre? I mean, uh, saint Andre? <laughs> or saint <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know if that was a conjugation from, uh, from, uh, from Latin or Italian of Saint Andrew. 
No, it's actually French because uh, André André uh, Saint André Bassett was a Canadian saint from Montreal. Uh, brother, before we go on, just as a just a, a little question that I would have about this. Uh, two days ago, the saint of the day was a, pr a priest who was the, uh, King Wenceslaus's uh, queen's confessor, and. Uh, he tried to get, uh, the king tried to get this priest to fork over what his queen had confessed to him, and he wouldn't give it to him. And so he had a bunch of rocks tied to him and threw him in a river, and uh, he was martyred, and, and now he's a saint. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, that would be St. John of Pomachin. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, he was, he was drowned in the Moldau River. I, I, I was yeah. reading the story, and I, and I told the audience, uh, uh, my radio audience that morning about it, uh, and uh, about just uh, about what devotion that we see and what commitment to the uh, to the job or to the vocation of a uh, religious life and a religious order and uh, to almighty God that uh, that these men and these women, they'd be read stories about. And I didn't read the long form of that one. I just read the short form. So uh, I went looking for the long form, but I didn't look very hard. Uh, I hope I'm able to find a little bit more about it. Yeah, well, he's yeah, he's. He's a patron, one of the patron saints of confessors because of that. And uh, we, we have a picture of him. Actually, no, I, I, we don't have this picture. We have a similar picture of St. Thomas. But there, there's a famous picture of him holding his finger over his mouth as if to say, shh, uh, <laughs> because, because he was faithful to, to keeping his secrets. The book the I read, of... yeah, the book I read from every morning is just a paragraph or two. It's called uh, "The Saints in Art," and that's the painting, the one with him with the, with his with his finger over his pursed lips. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, anybody familiar? Anybody likes classical music? If you're familiar with the the uh, Smeithen as perhaps most famous piece of music, Dimol Dal, that's the river that uh, that Saint John the Pomachine was drowned in. <laughs> so anyway, well, there you go. Interesting story. Uh, back to Dehomine, lecture number seven. Here, yeah, on. back to Dehomine. Um, so we're talking about um, the the these these faculties of man and the and the, the the primacy of the intellect, and that that prudence is something that's in the practical intellect, which commands right action, and it commands right action of all of the different virtues, not only those actions that are proper to prudence. Uh, there are actually a couple of very good uh, questions in the, in the chat room, too, that I think follow up on what was said before about prudence. Um, uh, can it be expressed, then, that practicing prudence is likened to avoiding the near occasions of sin? Well, prudence as a, as a, as a cardinal virtue does help us to do that. That would be one of its most important things. But of course, prudence enters into any kind of uh, right volitional acts. A, a businessman is constantly having to make decisions that are either going to be prudent or imprudent. Um, and if he's doing so, you know, in a, in a, in a uh, more, he has a moral obligation as a businessman to make prudent decisions because if he makes imprudent decisions, he could hurt people, right? He could hurt his employees. He could hurt his family. He could uh, accidentally rip somebody off. Okay. Sure. Um, so therefore, this is part of good morals for a businessman is to make right-headed decisions uh, and by by practicing the, the the virtue of prudence, which requires 
something like diligence and in, 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 in parsing out what is the what are the pros and the cons of these different decisions, right? So if somebody has no business acumen, it would be imprudent of him to become a businessman, right? I see that. Um, he should have he should have he should have so for him, prudence would command also that he learn all of the necessary arts and sciences, uh, whatever they are, that uh, are pertinent to his business. He has to know something about people skills to work with his employees and so forth. All of this is going to enter into prudence. So it's not just a matter of avoiding near occasions of sin. It's also a matter of uh, uh, maybe you might say proactively seeking to do the, the, the better thing or the right thing in any given set of circumstances where, where some virtue is going to be re required or even some skill or some um, uh, uh, um, some other uh, moral, some other moral virtue or human aptitude is going to have to be uh, applied. Prudence is going to enter in. It's going to enter in for businessman. It's going to enter in for priest who's in the confessional. So he has to give prudent advice to somebody. Um, it's going to enter in for, I mean, Mike, you're having to make decisions uh, about what to talk about, right? Yes. Uh, and you have to make decisions on, uh, should I, you know, you, you might use, you might use imprudent words uh, that could, you might have an injudicious use of words that could confuse your audience, right? <laughs> um, but then you might deliberately uh, put your use confusing words in order to put your audience at some sort of a uh, uh, a um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for to get them really interested right to build them up to something and then you and then you uh, give them the coup de grace with some punchline. This is all prudence. This is all a, ma a matter of prudence. Making the right decisions where you have to make right decisions. That's a matter of prudence. Well, I was going to say uh, you hype it. Yeah. Yeah. And so so this would be a prudential decision based upon your knowledge of the art of being a, a, a radio a talk radio show host. It's got its own sort of norms and so forth. But there's artistry involved and everybody's going to be a little different. But there takes some even a calculated risk. That term is very interesting. It doesn't come to us from moral theology, obviously, or from philosophy. But when you talk about when a businessman, for instance, uh, talks about a calculated risk. What does he mean? <laughs> it means he's calculated it. That's all. And as such, he's taken a risk that he believes will be rewarded. So now, of course, we know that greed often enters into these decisions. But when you talk about a calculated risk, that's simply saying, yes, I know it's a risk, but I'm not being reckless. I have given some prudent consideration to this. That's what it. That's what it. That's what it amounts to. So, um, this we, is something very important I was gonna, for, um, when it when it comes to um, uh, exercising all of the different virtues. I was going to say, brother, we don't give much thought to this, and uh, quite honestly, I hadn't given much thought to it until I listened to this lecture and now hearing you explain it a bit more and then reading the notes. Um, uh, I don't know if you put it this way earlier, but prudence is king. If, you, if, yeah. you, if you're an imprudent person, you're probably going to be a miserable lout of a sinner. Yeah. 
because you're going to she's she's queen actually because she's feminine queen, queen. Is feminine <laughs> so was uh, john lennon was john lennon singing about uh, virtue when he was singing about dear prudence <laughs> or was he singing well, yeah, about imprudence name too yeah <laughs> but it is but it's that... the queen yeah, it, 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 it is the queen, and a queen commands. And because a queen commands, prudence commands the acts of the other virtues, and not only uh, the, act, the uh, act of prudence itself. I mean, I'm, you know, whenever prudence is the virtue that you're, you're really cognizant, you don't have it. When you're thrust into a position of responsibility and you keep screwing up. <laughs> you don't have prudence. No, no. I mean, you know you don't have it. And, of course, knowing that you don't have it is at least the, the beginning, right? Um, sort of like the 12-step thing. Um, but knowing that you have – and, by the way, I, I made kind of a joke about the 12-step thing. But that first bit of knowledge that I don't – so let's, let's say you come to the realization, I lack this virtue, whatever the virtue might be. It might be prudent itself or it might be some other virtue. Well, you start – you start by exercising prudence to say, how, do, how the heck do I avoid that? How the heck do I, <laughs> how do I um, acquire the virtue of purity? How do I acquire uh, the virtue of justice? I mean, I'm, I'm habitually ripping off um, my neighbor, and I don't even know how not to because I grew up sort of being a con man kind of salesman. I mean, you, I'm, I don't, I'm not talking about any particular salesman. I just, I mean, people have, everybody's got his own um, demons, right? Everybody's got his own particular temptations to vice. And when you, when you stop even to begin to ask yourself, how do I avoid that occasion of sin? Or how do I rather build up the opposite virtue? You're already starting to show some prudence, by even asking the question. Now, you can't just leave it at asking the question. Well, uh, By the way, a prudent person who doesn't know what to do, what a prudent person who doesn't know what to do, what does he then do? Find Anybody in the chat room can answer this. If you don't know what to do, what's the prudent thing to do? Find a prudent person to tell you? Exactly. Well, can I can, and, can I tell you a little and anecdote? What do you call, and what do you call that? You're seeking what? Uh, counsel. Yeah. Now, when you get into the theolo- when you get into the gifts of the Holy Ghost, ah. the gifts of the Holy Ghost perfect different human different virtues. And the gift of the Holy Ghost that we call counsel perfects the virtue of prudence. Brother, I could give you a perfect example of this at Mass Sunday. Father Tom Sullivan, who is with the Fathers of Mercy, is visiting for a Lenten uh, pilgrimage, or, or a Lenten mission, rather. And he told a story of what he tells some of his, uh, or what he has told when he was a diocesan priest. Uh, uh, and it's a story about prudence. I didn't realize it Sunday, but I realize it now. And he, he said he's told people who uh, are trying to learn a better habit or a virtue and stop a particular sin, that he, he, the way he told it uh, during, during his, his homily was, look, if you think that, you, you, that you're in a position and you're getting ready to fall and you're getting ready to give in, even if it's 10 o'clock at night, you have my number, leave the situation, if you can, get in your car and start driving the directory and call me on the way. And I will walk you through. I will talk you through it. 
Um, and uh, I, I didn't th- realize it at the time, but uh, Father Father uh, Father Sullivan is relying on that man or that woman's experience, knowledge, memory um, uh, to trigger an act of prudence, knowing that they're about to be imprudent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Um, and, and we learn prudence, by just like all the virtues, we learn it by practicing it. And, and it, it, somebody asked the question, I don't know if it was seriously or, or actually, though, he has a, a wink smiley face. But E asked the question, how does one acquire prudence without making a ton of mistakes? Uh, the answer to that, well, if I knew the answer, I don't think I'd be me because <laughs> that made a ton of mistakes. I can't answer it. <laughs> but but prudence, but but prudence is one of those things where it's it's like how a baby learns how to walk. Uh, as a teacher of mine used to say, when he was doing something very um, strict, he would say, "Gravity is the best teacher," and that's why God gave babies soft bottoms. What he meant was every time we do something, he's going to smack us for it, and we'll eventually learn. And when we when we cried for mercy, he pointed out that gravity never showed mercy. So <laughs> God gives babies soft bottoms uh, and 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 sh- shortness so that they don't have too too far to fall, and they learn gravity. They learn by their mistakes how to walk, um, and they 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 they're new at this whole standing up thing um, and, you know, stepping forward and not falling. So it's going to require certain, it's going to demand that they make certain mistakes before they learn what is the right way to walk. Um, So prudence is like any, it's, it's remember the uh, analogy that we did a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about virtue in general, that it's, it's a habit of soul, much as a skill is a habit of soul, and therefore it has to be uh, acquired in the, in the realm of the acquired virtues, not the infused virtues, but in the acquired virtues, it has to be acquired by repetitive acts that are proper to that virtue. So we learn prudence when, when we, and, and this is one reason why counsel is so very necessary. We get counsel from somebody who is prudent, and and then we follow his counsel, and, you know, gummit, it works, right? It, it ended up working. We, 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 uh, we somehow messed up and got it right this time. And you learn what that feels like, and then you, uh, you, you, you lock this in your memory. And by the way, you said we never think of this stuff. One of the reasons we never think of this stuff is because we're terribly superficial people. And, and, and we drown out. There should be certain time during the day when we're thinking, okay, I have this particular problem that I need to do. How might I go about it rightly? How might I go about it prudently? And you, you, you can even write down the pros and cons. Um, but you have to think through it. And this is all an exercise in prudence. And even when you go to ask somebody's advice, you shouldn't simply outsource your exercise of virtue. You can't do that. You can't have somebody else practice prudence for you vicariously. In seeking counsel, you can actually even make the act of seeking counsel an exercise in prudence. How? By going through your different options and presenting them to the person whose counsel you're seeking and saying, I could do this, but if this happens, then I think that'll happen. I could do that, but if I do it this way, this is the downside there. You look at the upsides and the downsides of the different things. 
And this is part of exercising prudence, even in the context of seeking counsel, because what the counsel will do is not replace your prudence. What the counsel will do is actually strengthen your prudence and perfect your prudence. And again, this is why that gift of the Holy Ghost that we call counsel perfects the, the, the virtue of prudence, because it's the Holy Ghost himself counseling us uh, what to do or what to avoid in certain situations. Um, are there any other questions in, in, the, in the room, Mike? I'm, I'm, well, hmm. I, w one question is, uh, would the cardinal virtues exercised in concert work synergistically and grow in strength together? That's a great question, Richard. That's a great question. And the answer is yes. Yes, absolutely. In fact, as an, a wise old monk told me one time, um, the, uh, the, the, the virtues grow like the fingers on your hand. They, they don't, you, you're not going to have a, 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 an index finger out to here, and he had, he had his other hand way out, like two feet out. <laughs> uh, you're not going to have prudence out to here, like your index finger, and then, but then temperance uh, is like a little nub right next to it. There's a proportion that exists among the virtues, and they tend to grow together. Um, uh, if you have a, you, you're not going to be a very prudent man if you haven't prudently figured out how to be temperate, for instance. Okay. And you're constantly committing grave sins uh, of t against temperance, <laughs> or grave sins against justice. So the 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 it's the job of prudence to help to regulate the practice of the other virtues. So yes, they that's a great insight, just based upon what was said, I guess. I don't want to take credit for it, but, but based upon the whole train of thinking Brother Francis has been leading us on all this time, Richard, that's a great insight. Yes, they work together, and uh, they grow, and they get strengthened together. This is the Philosophy of Penennis live classroom and chat room, and we are covering the, uh, the lecture series from Brother Francis Malouf on De Homine. And it's a 31-part lecture series. Tonight is lecture number seven. And our counselor, our uh, instructor for the evening, as he always is, is Brother Andre Marie. He of the St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire. If you are uh, looking for a good cause to support year-round uh, with any charitable dollars you have, uh, I can think of few that are more worthy than Brother Andre Marie and Sister Maria Philomena. Um, two who, uh, in concert, run the St. Benedict Center with uh, the other brothers and the other sisters there. So look, brother, up at uh, Catholicism.org. And you can also start the Dahomene Lecture Series anytime you'd like by simply going to the site. And if you send brother an email, his email address is bam, B-A-M, at Catholicism.org, and tell him you want to buy the series or any of the other lecture series, uh, brother can get you a uh, significant discount on the download or the CD series as well. Immediately following tonight's Dahomene class, we will uh, be regaled by episode number 68 of Brother Andre Marie's Reconquest, which will uh, immediately after that will post to the website at crusadechannel.com. And if you are a Founders Pass member, then you will have full access to, to download it. And Brother, with 67 previous episodes now, uh, I would think that a uh, Founders Pass membership for many people would be justified 
just by having the ability and the right to download the previous 67 episodes of Reconquest, which reminds me, before we get a little further, I listened to one of the rebroadcasts the other night, and it was you, um, I'm trying to remember what her name was, uh, but you guys, you, you and she were having um, a conversation about um, uh, some legalities, I think. And I didn't get to hear the whole thing, and I thought, I need to ask, <laughs> I could go look at the logs, the intrepid man's way, or I could be lazy and send, and ask brother, hey, what episode was that, so I could go look it up. <laughs> was Jennifer Lal, and we were talking about uh, bioethical stuff? I think it probably was. That sounds about right. Yeah, that was that was fairly recently. That was like, uh, hold on, I can tell you, it was that was number sixty four. I called six- it bioethical nightmares. Yeah, that's what it was. Bio, and boy, howdy, we are about to enter some bioethical nightmares. Uh, if if ethics, of course, we don't have any. Uh, or uh, don't rain. Okay, brother, we have eight minutes uh, to uh, to continue and wrap uh, Dahomene uh, lecture number seven up. Uh, just looking at the notes, it seems that we're almost at the part where brother gets into a meditation of the Psalms. But I think you have some more stuff to cover before then. Well, okay, so there are a few a few things in the notes that I can get to here. First of all, brother Francis recommended the book My Way of Life. By Fathers Healy and Farrell. They were two Dominican priests. In case anybody's interested, I just threw up an Amazon.com link to where you can get that book um, in the in the chat room here. Um, so the the um, the intellectual virtues, as we say, reside entirely in the in, in the intellect. Um, and in the cardinal virtues, um, reason is participated in in every one of them. Uh, but not necessarily reason operating on its own. Remember, the norm here, the norm of, of the, is the good of reason. Okay, the first principle of virtue, St. Thomas says, as we talk about it now, when he talks about the cardinal virtues, is the good of reason. That's the good, that's the norm that we're striving for, is the good of reason. Vice is going to be something contrary to reason, contrary to the good of re- the reason, Virtue is going to be something that's in conformity with the good of reason. Um, let's see. Um, man is powerful only when his passions are directed properly. They must participate in the principle of reason. So we have two specific cardinal virtues that help to direct us in, uh, in, our, in our sense life, in the life of the passions. The, the, the concupiscible passion is... Uh, restrained and perfected uh, by temperance. Uh, on the other hand, the irascible appetite, okay, the irascible passions, um, is something which is regulated and, and you might even say perfected by the use of fortitude. And we think of man as a hierarchical being. Now, I don't just mean hierarchical in society. Mm-hmm. That That's true, too. But inside of each one of us, there's a hierarchy, with intellect and will being at the top. Now, you've got all those other powers of the human person, including the passions. Uh, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a perfect illustration where virtue, virtue commands us. I was talking to somebody the other day, he actually came to me for advice <laughs> about about certain things regarding his moral life, very, very devout man, very good man, married man, uh, and family man and all that. And he was telling me, you know, gee, you know, it's hard not looking at women. 
And I mean, this is not a lecher. By any stretch of the imagination, this man is not a lecher. So the, the, what, he, what he asked was advice about, about you know, what, what constitutes something wrong in this area of looking unchastely at some other woman. So I tried to give him certain things, uh, certain, and, and then I realized the more I was talking to him that he was thinking um, very, he had a very, very high standard for himself, extremely high. And he was actually a very virtuous man. So I said, make it an exercise of, of prudence and, and, and know when it is that you, that you feel some pang of conscience that you've done something immoderate. Uh, obviously, you can't not look ahead of you. Even, even, you know, you shouldn't be gawking at women when you're a man. <laughs> you should not be gawking at them. But uh, on the other hand, you know, you don't want to crash into people driving because you don't want to see a woman, right? There's got to be some prudent moderation here. So I gave him a few a few um, uh, pointers, <laughs> um, but one one of which was uh, regu we regulate our our looks. We, we we what we call mortify our eyes, or we 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 keep our eyes restrained yep. around women. Custody. And it's not a sin the first time you see an attractive woman. It's a sin when you start staring at her, right? And simply know what your uh, be be cognizant enough, be self-possessed enough to know when you're doing this. And what is this? This is an exercise in prudence, which 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 is using the memory. It's examining your own actions, and it's making a plan of how you're going to tackle the, the the thing next time you're faced with it. So prudence is 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 oftentimes a matter of. Uh, setting a battle plan, a plan of action for how to exercise virtue in every different arena of your moral life. That's a pretty good explanation, brother. And that's really, uh, uh, that's what, that, that's kind of advice you would get too if you, uh, some priest would give you, if you went and confessed that in uh, the confessional, you'd probably get this, uh, uh, very similar advice. Uh, brother, also in the notes, uh, br brother goes. Uh, he, he he touches briefly on that there are only four cardinal virtues, and that man is powerful only when his passions are directed properly. They must participate in the principle of reason. The power that is rational in its essence is perfected by prudence. So he kind of reviews that, and uh, then he gets into uh, his discussion on Psalm 109 which is, I read it a couple of times, which is a, a very brief psalm. It's only uh, seven verses long, I think. And uh, then uh, he, I uh, think he covers that just a little bit. And I believe that that's, how he, uh, that that's how he ended this particular lesson, lecture number lecture number seven. Now, next week, we will obviously pick up lecture number eight. But before we conclude this one, again, a new episode of Reconquest with Brother Andre Maria is coming up. And just a few short moments here on the Crusade Channel. Uh, I'd just like to announce that if you have the Crusade Channel app or the Veritas Radio Network app, the name has now changed. Don't be alarmed. It's the Veritas Talk Radio Network app. And that's to take advantage of keywords uh, that are used to find apps in both the Google Store and the, and the iTunes Store. And uh, there was a major, major app upgrade that was released late this afternoon. And... Uh, it uh, will allow you to do things inside the app that you previously were not able to do. 
So uh, the only thing you have to do is basically quit the app if you have it running and restart it, and it'll load up the uh, the new version. And there's some new colors there. It's got a new style a little bit. And uh, you'll see the new Founders Pass membership block that uh, you can use to, uh, to access the site. Um, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles features that some of you <coughs> have been asking for, but... It is a it, it is for sure a good start in that direction, and it, if it were me that were using it, I would have no trouble accessing most of the content that I get asked questions about every day. So, uh, brother, we have uh, forty seconds left. Uh, anything you'd like to say before we as we wrap up? Yeah, Jazzville asked why temperance and fortitude seem always closely so linked. Well, all the all the moral virtues are linked. But I would say that those two are linked because frequently we have to use fortitude in order to um, become temperate. <laughs> we have to be brave and courageous in the practice of the difficult um, uh, virtue of temperance. Well, brother, good explanation. Folks, that wraps up this episode of De Homine. You can download uh, the episode tomorrow on my site at MikeChurch.com. For Brother Rondé Marine, all of us here on the Crusade Channel, we shall see you soon. Stay tuned for Reconquest. Mm-hmm.